Good morning, evening, afternoon to our listeners of the Interleague Podcast. My name's Chris Mann, as always, joined with Alex Despagny. And today, we are here to bring you the exciting world of MLB baseball. Spags, are you excited? Always, every week, each and every week. That's what I like to hear. The really upbeat positivity that comes out of you. That's what I want to hear, Spags. That's what I shoot for, man. That's what I shoot for. I'm, gonna, I'm going for the Zen, Chris. <laughs> Fair Pop enough. Cast. I, I would like to... Uh... We're going to go with the ASMR, but... Yes. No. It's sounds... like getting some emails. It sounds so bad. Stop. I can't stand it in my ears. Just stop. Stop that. Talk normal. Uh, dude, that's... I don't... <laughs> What day is the Asperger podcast? I've lost track. That's the uh, the third the Thursdays. We have we have so Thursday, many we have so many podcasts that this is the only one we do weekly. But we have so many podcasts, we had to start changing up how often we do them. Honestly, I think that uh, not sponsored has turned into a podcast. Or um, do you remember doing uh, everything was like? Did you said something? And somebody was like dot com. They turned it into a uh, a website. Yes. It's almost like that's what she said. That's what this is like, right? That's just our podcast. It's almost yeah. like just dot com in it. Yeah, it's just a whole bunch, whole bunch of not casts. Yeah. So, yeah. So we need our uh, social media followers. We're going to start this trend, um, just like dot com, but turn it into a podcast. You heard it here first in the interleague. We're about to blow it up. So <laughs> that's an idea. Trending. You can. Are you <laughs> You can tweet us. You can tweet us a podcast name, and then we'll tell you what gets covered on that podcast and when it is. True. <laughs> so true. We have a time slot. We have a time slot for everything. Yeah. So just, just send us. Fine. Send us what you got. Just let us know, and we'll we'll figure it out. Um, but no, so I guess, uh, my cousin, uh, John, our our avid listener, our dedicated listener. Let me know that apparently Chris's mic has been relatively quiet the last couple of weeks. So we made some adjustments. Hopefully this is a little bit better. You'd think we would have just like recorded a little bit and then listened to it and it would have been fine. But fuck that. Didn't like that's, that. that's way, that. that's way more work than what I'm willing to do. Uh, so I just as fine. It also proved that neither one of us go back and listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I did for a while, but it was because like we were trying out formats or whatnot, and I really feel like we we kind of hit our stride. Like this is just what it is now. Um, yeah. You know, this is our thirtieth episode. We've got it all figured out, man. The only thing we need now is just the listeners to start tuning in. You know, yeah. Maybe and if I. If I listen to all the podcasts that I'm a part of, I'm not gonna have any time to do anything else. So. <laughs> True. It's just I'm just I'm just here for the content, and then I'm out. Yeah, I mean, much like owning an MLB team, running a podcast is not that profitable. So <laughs> it's not very that <laughs> profitable. So it's you're fine. right about that. <laughs> so it's all right, man. It's just it's this first uh, world problems. That is that's good. Um, Podcasting is not that profitable. The best That's part our of new slogan. That's our new slogan on the t-shirts we're going to get made. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll fire up the cricket. We'll, we'll get some stuff done. Um, I blame COVID that we haven't promoted ourselves more. Um, I'm really excited about the ideas that we kicked around with like 
you know, letting people know when we'll be at games and like both buying into like the standing room only season ticket package. The Uh, standing room only season ticket package is going to be huge. Yeah. And I'm sure there's ways like, because you can record on like iPhone or whatever. So I'm sure there's ways we can like do segments at the stadium or something. Mm -hmm. Give it Maybe a like shot. Get at some least. fan inter- interviews or something. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Figured we'll... out. People start knowing it's a Bush Stadium. Oh, we, we're like, about to be net profitable. Then at that point, like, we'll profitable. be able to wear some T-shirts that we that we made, stuff like that. Give some stuff out to you know the one person that knows who we are. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So it'll be cool. It'll be fun, man. Um. Well, I'm hyped now. I'm yeah, hyped. so ho- so hopefully Chris yeah. sounds better. Hopefully he's not overly loud. If he is, you know, Deal hopefully hopefully I'm not too quiet. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out one day. Who who knows? This we we've done everything remote. Like we we aren't the we aren't the type of podcast that gets together in person and like records on mics and it's the same volume level. Like I'm just recording local on my PC. So really, what you're hearing is just like my desktop audio that's feeding through my headset so that might have been it is like i had chris turned down not knowing how much it would affect things but i guess like i had the volume up in obs but down on my headset so maybe that's what it was so i'll just have to deal with you being louder than typical uh, that i have you at so whatever it's all good one day we'll slot in one day we'll slot in the sound engineering podcast and then we'll figure out our problems yeah that's that'll, that'll be February. Yeah. Um, hey, you know what? Typically more money thrown at a problem is the route to go, right? So it sounds like I need a new mic, a Go XLR, a whole new set and set up for the stream. So we'll work on that, you know. Yeah, just like you have a you have a big house, like just you know, yeah. make a podcast room and then I'll just come over on Mondays and yeah. we'll record local there. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. It's not, soon, the, not too far from me. It's, it's a different state. state. <laughs> Hey, it's but, actually against the law to have anyone in my house that doesn't live in my house right now, I do believe. So. That's true. Yeah. Like, if I'm there one day a week, can I say I live there? Like, what if I just got, like, mm-hmm. my cell phone bill sent to your house? Uh, I don't know. It'd probably be easier if you just paid me a little rent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like paying a little rent for where I live now. I'm definitely not. Hey. Definitely worth the, worth a shot, you know. Yeah, worth a that's shot. a good it's idea. Like an Airbnb, you know, you yeah. come one day, I'll charge you a little bit. You know, like you're the best roommate ever. It's like you're not even here six days a week. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, not I were we're going strong. I know we we gave all of our listener the heads up that uh we were potentially gonna record like every other week for a little bit, but going strong. Um, record yeah. again. Uh, getting ready to turn over the calendar into December, um, which usually I'm relatively happy about. Um, I don't think it'll have the same pizzazz this year, um, but I guess we can kind of kind of get into it. Like MLB, it's relatively quiet right now. We've uh, got some things to cover. I guess we can get into Keep the but, cricket noise. Yeah, but it's Sorry, not a sound engineering. So Mike has turned off cricket noise. <laughs> Chirp, 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 chirp. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, obviously what we do here, first and foremost, is, is cover our guys, uh, Yankees and the Cardinals. Kind of get you caught up to speed with what's going on there. Um, and it's honestly not a lot. 
not not a whole lot of uh noise coming from nope. from either of our teams um honestly and uh in the land of pinstripes it's a lot of questions about what the yankees are going to do and pretty much everyone that covers them is like we don't know <laughs> so there's there's a couple different ways it could go um but yeah, not not really a thing. Like everyone, you know, expectation. Like obviously, DJ Lemayhew is a free agent, but and the the Yankees would love to bring him back, but you don't know what it's going to cost. Um, you don't know how long he's going to look to be, you know, brought on board for. I don't know if they're at a point that they want to invest, you know, five years, a hundred million dollars into Lemayhew, who I think is like thirty-one, something like that. So they made us look to go like bring in a shortstop and be able to move Torres back to second. Um, and then the other ones are like Clint Frazier had a, a pretty productive year, you know, was nominated for gold glove, even though he didn't win, but was in the discussions for that. And defense was the big concern. Uh, Voight led the majors and home runs. So it's like, are these guys going to repeat these years or is this a time frame to sell high? Um, but pretty much everybody seems to think that like, especially with 2020 being a down year revenue wise for, you know, every team across the MLB and then not knowing what things will look like for 2021. Um, I feel pretty confident that by the time the 2022 season comes around the, the COVID pandemic, whereas like life may not be as it was before COVID, I think we'll be attending sporting events again. Um, maybe masks become a new norm. Um, having like the hand sanitizer stations and like extra protocols and stuff like that. Like, I think that that'll, that might become the like a new norm, but being cleaner and being healthier isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, so I don't think anyone really had a problem with that, but I think at that point, like there'll be vaccines and whatnot. So hopefully it'll be a little bit more maintainable. So it's really one more season that's in the, up in the air about normal ticket sales, I would think. Um, so I, d I don't imagine that teams would want to get rid of players that are under team control uh, at this point. So when you have guys like Clint Frazier, Luke Voigt, that are locked up still with pretty team-friendly deals, you're probably not looking to deal them unless you can get like the right pieces, like a young starting pitcher that's cost-controlled. Um, yeah, like maybe it would have been a, a like not even like um what's his name uh mike clevenger like not even a deal to that regard where you know he ended up like hey like through arbitration he's getting 11 million dollars a year you know or whatever or 11 million for two years or whatever the hell it was the crazy deal that the padres gave him even though he's not pitching next year um so i, I just don't think they're gonna find a guy like that so i don't i can't imagine that they trade frazier and Voigt. like if they were gonna move any pieces i think it would be you know, the other direction, like you'd see them try to deal like Chapman, um, you know, maybe they're dealing Gary Sanchez if they're, if they do end up going after uh, Real Muto or, you know, James McCann being the new hot name thrown around in the catcher conversation. Um, but really that, that's like all the talk is, is like, do you think the Yankees will trade this person? No. <laughs> do you think the Yankees will trade this guy? No. Yeah. Um, um, I did see John Morrissey tweeted. It was really a, more about Colton Wong, but um, it was the Blue Jays were showing interest in Colton Wong, but it's really uh, as their top priority. 
is if the if LeMahieu returned to the Yankees and what he said as many industry experts um, thought would happen. So I thought that was kind of a good sign for you to get your boy yeah, back. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I think for me it really just depends on the length of the deal. Um, so I think that LeMahieu will be the type of guy that's going to compete for a batting title for the next two or three years, but I don't know how much that drops off. Um, he doesn't hit for a ton of power right now, but he hits for a really high average. I, I don't know that that'll go away because it's not like he, you know, like it's not the Ichiro method that like he's getting base hits that he shouldn't because of his speed. Like he's just really good at the plate. So I think that he will be able to continue to produce and that would be fine. Um, it, it's just like you, you find yourself in a, in an awkward situation. If you have that 37, 38 year old guy, that's, getting $20 million a year. That isn't the guy that you signed when he was 32, you know, 31. Um, it's like what the Cardinals are dealing with, with Matt Carpenter right now. Like they gave Matt Carpenter a long contract at a high amount of money that was backloaded because of what he was doing and how team friendly it was at the time. And it's kind of burning them right now that they find themselves in this weird predicament. Now, Part of like the Cardinals make the argument that a lot of that has to do with the loss of ticket sales from 2020, and I'm sure that plays a part. But at the same time, like I don't think there's going to be a lot of teams jumping at the bit to take on that contract, and the Cardinals have never been the type of team to just be able to piss away 18 million dollars in a season. So I think that even if you know if COVID never happened, the Cardinals are still finding themselves in the same financial restrictions. Um, the only difference I think right now where the Cardinals would be if 2020 was a normal year is the option on Colton Long would have easily been picked up and uh, John Brebbia would easily be offered a tendered contract, which is the only non-tendered player they have right now, which we'll get into a little bit later with what all that means and what I think will happen there. Um, but yeah, from from like the, the Yankee standpoint, like that's really it though. It's like, hey, what... Like, let's stop speculating because the Yankees get attached to literally every person that's a free agent. Like, oh, they could just be paid to come play for the Yankees? Yeah, like, the Yankees are interested. And I don't think yep. that that's necessarily true. It, it's just the – like, I've, I've had to get good at cutting through the BS through the years because um, the Yankees have been tied to so many big names. Um, like, I'm, I'm almost positive that after the 2011 season, the Yankees were interested in – Albert Pujols, and I think at that point still they still had Mark Teixeira. Yeah, because they they had just gotten Teixeira before 2009, so it's like they they just signed a big dollar first baseman, and the Yankees were like he could DH, or like that's what everyone says, like he could DH for the Yankees. So like why like why wouldn't they be interested? And it's just like, come on now, like let's let's be real here. Um, So other other than that, um, the only the only other news in in Yankee Town, um, so they they have this like it's it's not baseball related. It's but, bad news, man. You know, but it's, it's bad. But it's, it's bad news. I think like it's uh, it's and it's and it's not even bad news in the sense that like oh man they're they're missing out. But the Yankee like Yankee Stadium hosts the the Pinstripe Bowl every year. It's just a college football bowl game between uh a member of the big 10 and the ACC. It was like Michigan state versus wake forest last year or something like that. It's not, not a big game by any means, but it's something like that. They just host a college football game played at Yankee stadium. 
and this year got canceled due to COVID. Um, I don't know if they were like worried about, cause I know like college football in general seems to be impacted a little bit. I know some schools just opted to not play. I think things of that nature or some conferences just didn't play at all. Um, but obviously the NFL is kind of playing as expected. Um, so I don't know if it's a matter of like they, they can't, but I think it's more of a matter of like, there aren't going to be fans in the stands. So Yankee stadium's not worried about hosting it. Cause they're not going to get any ticket revenue for it. And like, they're like all of the other perks that come along with it. Like they aren't getting any of that. So they aren't going to make any money off of it. So there's like, we just won't have it. Um, I don't know that the game's not going to be played. It just isn't going to be played at Yankee stadium. Um, and it might also be because obviously New York was uh pretty center, you know, hotbed for, you know, kind of an epicenter for a long time. And it might even still be in the U S I don't know. Um, for COVID so outbreaks, you know, find areas in like a New York city, everyone's right. going to be traveling by, um, you know, train to get there and stuff. So it's right. So it's just, best. it's, it, it makes sense where, where I think it's relevant is it could just be a precursor for fan attendance regulations in New York for the start of the season. So like if like the, the Mets, obviously Cohen probably doesn't care. Like he's like, whatever, like I'll buy every ticket to every game. It'll be whatever. Um, I didn't buy the Mets to make me money. It's what my head funds for. Uh, it's like very Steinbrenner esque. I, I love hearing that stuff from an owner. Um, but I, it could just be that like, Hey, if like, it could be a grounds that MLB is like, well, if we're not going to do it state by state, we're not going to do it based on where you're playing. Like, we're just going to say we aren't having fans. Um, sorry for you. And then when that happens, the owners are going to be like, oh, but we're losing money. And so we, sure. we, we want, we want all these things now. Like we want to pay the players less. And the players are going to be like, no man, like we did the song and dance last year. Like whatever, like, this is how it's going to work. This is what we're willing to do. And owners are going to be like, well, fine. Then like, we're just going to pay everyone less in the future. And we're not going to sign people. Like we're just going to minimize our pay, our payroll. And players are like, well, we're not getting paid. So now we're going to go on strike. And it all partners up with the CBA coming up after, you know, what it's, I think it's before the 2021 season, or it might be after the 2021 season. I mean, after the 2021. Yeah. So there's like, this season and one more, I guess. Um, I'm going to double check. CBA expires MLB. And by that time, I really hope one of our other podcasts is really popping off. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to be on strike. Um, that didn't tell me. When does the CBA expire for the MLB? MLB. Uh, will last until December 1st, 2021. So yeah, so this season, or no, so after this next season. So yeah, the end of 2021. So a, a year from now, the CBA expires. Um, so all, all of this nonsense, all the hoopla that happened before the 2020 season, and then everything that's going to happen because it's going to be a goddamn circus going into 2021 still. Uh, if fans aren't allowed to just be in the stands at full capacity um, for any part of the season, it I, I very much fear it'll lead to a work stoppage because the new CBA won't get agreed upon. Um, 
because there's like mainly because like what more than half a season was lost really call it they played they played probably half the amount of games that they could have if they came to a quick agreement and i think that the smart thing to do would be in this new cba iron out what the expected details are of a pandemic and interfered with season so like if this were to happen again in 2025 then both sides have already agreed that this is what's going to happen payers players will make less money here owners will you know pay like take these losses here you know whatever the case may be like money will be shifted around you know what whatever they need to work out like i would assume that all that'll happen in the cba if they were smart but i think both sides are gonna you know fight tooth and nail to get it done because they're looking out for what's best for their respective side not what's best for baseball um and it just isn't going to happen that way um so yeah like and I, i think that this like this could be like the the first domino to fall to like if a a large market area like that is going to lose a ton of money in that regard that it'll kind of be the first domino and trickle down everywhere else um but yeah, other other than that um so mlb posted this uh i guess series of articles or maybe they just did it all today i don't know when it came out but it's like the uh their off-season checklist for each team um i haven't looked through the yankees or the cardinals but i fear after we cover everything else we'll just hit those to wrap up our our individual team coverage um, does that sound good to you? See me? Yeah, are they they're just together all their own? Okay, I kind of see what MLB is doing here. Okay. Yeah, I, I haven't looked at them at all yet, so I figure we'll just see like what they say the checklist is, and then give our thoughts on it. You know, um, yeah, I'm just but, but whatever. Up, uh, I don't see. Oh wait, hold on. You know what? Let me just click on one of these. I bet you I get to click on another team. I'll figure it out. Or you yeah. just or link me. What do you have? Already have the links to both articles. Um, I mean, I, I can real quick whenever I bring them up, but, um, so I guess shifting over to the Cardinals, um, I guess kind of first and foremost, all of the off season talk right now for them, like our hot stove conversation, as it's known in the baseball world is really all all around Molina and Wainwright, obviously. Um, I think that what the team decides to do with those two will set a much clearer picture for what they need to do with the rest of their offseason, um, who they're going to be players in on, who they won't, um, all, all that good stuff. Um, I guess there, there, are, there are other aspects that could also play a point. Um, there will be, I don't know why I'm saying um so much right now, um. <laughs> but you know, what, what's going on with Carlos Martinez could be a factor. I don't think he's at any point of like injury risk or anything like that, but obviously the stuff that was going on with the, um, where was he? Dominican Republic, Puerto yeah. Rico. Where was it? Uh, yet to see, Republic. yeah. Yet to see anything that'll come from that. So who knows? But Miles Michael is coming back from an injury. Hicks coming back from an injury. Like just just a couple a couple pieces that you aren't really certain what you're going to get yet. 
Um, and I don't know if they've been able to see these guys pitch or anything along those lines. So that could also play a factor. I think uh, Cam earned him spot, like earned himself a spot in the rotation next year. Yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. obviously you're gonna, you know, Flaherty's gonna stay in the rotation. Was it Hudson that got hurt? Is that is yeah, that who's yep. down for the year? Yep. Yeah. So you're so you have that spot to fill. So if you if you look at it as like a clean replacement with Hudson being out for the year, but Michaelis is back, um, you kind of net even there. And then all of the young arms that got an opportunity to pitch last year, Gomber was great at the end of the year. Ponce de Leon was serviceable uh, throughout most of the season. A couple other young kids that could certainly make the starting rotation. So it's like, do you really, do you have a spot for Wainwright? Could you bring Wainwright back, but he was him out of the bullpen. Uh, he was, he was effective on, on the mound. Like there's no doubt about it, but there's also, I mean, it was a 60 game stretch. He only made what? 10 starts, something along those lines. So he he's had those, yeah, like that flash in the pan two, three months where he really put it together previously, but he couldn't put it together for a full season. And I think like, cause I want to say like, it wasn't like that his numbers were atrocious by any means, but obviously like, I think his 2019 was worse than his 2020. Um, I could be wrong. I don't. I don't want to just call him out. I know he's been serviceable, so not that not that they're bad numbers. Um, but yeah, like 2019, he went 14 and 10, um, four ERA. So he he made 30 starts. So went out all, all the time, but you know, four ERA, um, strikeouts per nine really weren't down there. Actually, a little higher than his career average. So I guess it was just letting up more runs. Um, I really like a four ERA and being, you know, 14 and 10, I think is actually pretty good given how bad the Cardinals offense was in 2019 Yeah, with an ERA that high. I mean, like he went five and three with a three ERA this year. <laughs> so it like obviously pitched much better, like, to, you know, it's the lowest ERA he's had in like five years. So, you know, maybe you keep him in the rotation um, but I think that like the the difference might be that he was effective for 65 innings, um, but maybe because it was a a more minimal workload, he comes back strong. Because like I said, 2019 he put up pretty solid numbers, but he only pitched in 40 innings in 2018, um, and then he was hurt. So yeah, I get maybe that lower workload and like he can, he can have an increased workload after that. Uh, who knows? So it, it really, like it hasn't been, it hasn't really been bad, bad ever really. Like there, there's never, you're like, like, Oh man, Wainwright really lost it. Like 2017, he had a five ERA, but he went 12 and five. So he's winning games still. Yeah. And <laughs> As long as he's been a Cardinal, pretty much everyone would be like, cool, if there's a big spot up, like you wouldn't, even if he wasn't pitching well, like he's the type of pitcher that can like suck it up and give you a, like whatever you need at that moment, you know? Right. Um, even if he was pitching bad, you know, a couple games before that and continuously pitching bad, like if this was a half to win game and you needed him out there for three innings, like you weren't going to hesitate to throw him out there for three innings. So, 
been all right. Yeah. Um, and it's it's kind of as expected. Um, they uh, like catchers like Real Muto, uh, James McCann, you know, kind of those hot button catchers that are gonna be heavy investments because they're still free agents. There probably isn't looking at, like no one's really looking at stopgap situations yet where that would be where Molina would really fall into that market. I don't think he's going to sign more than a two year deal. Uh, so if you need a catcher of the future, you know, Molina's not your guy. Um, so I think once those guys fall, you'll see more noise surrounding Molina. But I think that that'll also play into depending on what he's asking for, because you'll have like the Matt Weeders of the world that'll be happy to sign a one or two year deal. And they'll likely be at like one, two, three million a year. Whereas Molina is probably going to be somewhere between that five and 10 million a year. Um, so it's like, well, what, what, what route do we want to go? What are we looking for? You know, what, what might it be? Um, and I don't know really who all had, like, I would think that Molina for a couple years would be a big perk for teams that are, working with a young pitching staff and I don't know what teams are out there that that would be what they're um, that they they're looking for a catcher that have a young pitching staff a team that I think that he would fit really well in with uh, would be the Braves because they have a really really young pitching staff with a ton of talent Um, but I feel like they have a pretty decent catcher already um, I'm drawing a blank on who it is. I mean, it's Travis Arno, so not I not the greatest. I mean, I would take Molina over Arno for sure. Um, but again, if they're if they're willing to uh, to ride uh, Arno for a little bit, that's where it's at. But with with the lineup that they already have, um, you know, you could put Molina. You know, you could bat seventh or eighth in that lineup. Uh, especially if they bring Ozuna back, who's a free agent as well. Um, but I mean, Soroka, Max Freed, Ian Anderson, right? Like they just went and picked up Drew Smiley. Um, they signed Charlie Morton, so they have like their gritty veteran. You know, that's a one-year deal. I think Smiley they signed to a one-year deal. So they added some veteran pieces to go along with their young kids from a pitching staff. But I think getting someone out there that could catch them as well could be good. Um, but I, I don't know if that's the the ballpark that the Braves will live in. Maybe if they don't sign Ozuna, Molina becomes a better option for them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like Molina makes a lot of teams better. I just, the, the longer we wait in St. Louis, it just, I don't know. Is they don't really understand what what we're still waiting on. Like I think we talked about it last time. Like you would think if it was as easy as like he wants to be back, the Cardinals want him back, they would have worked out a deal by now. Right. Um it's like what domino has to fall for that to be or really anyone and is it is it really like is Molino really waiting on JT Romuto to sign somewhere? Like, I don't think that money is compared. I think Romuto gets the money he gets. And I think Molina gets the money he gets, but I don't think it's a comparison. Like you're paying Yachty for like end of life contract here. Like he's still going to want his money, but like 
you're paying Romito for like the next five to six, seven, ten years, whatever you work that out through. So I, I don't really see him holding Molina up. I don't see really Molina holding him up because you know if Molina makes $20 million a year before that and you want to make you know JT the highest paid catcher, you're going to have to pay him somewhere around $20 million. Right. So I, I don't really see where the I, – I get, I get why JT's not signed anywhere. Um, but if the Cardinals were going to sign Molina, like the clock seems to be ticking. Like, I don't really see what they're. What yeah, we're I, yeah, I, I, I don't think that Real Muto impacts Molina's mark, like Molina's negotiations with the Cardinals. It affects but, what team he could go to for show. <laughs> right. But like, if it, if it takes something like, like if Real Muto signs with the Yankees or he goes to the Mets or, you know, he, he signs back with the Phillies. Like, those are players that aren't available for Molina. And maybe Molina's like, hey, like, what I would really like to do is win a ring. Like, I, I know I got to, but I would like to, to win another championship. So where can I go that I think is legitimately going to be a contender in, you know, for the next year or two? Um, so maybe, like, the, the Mets aren't an option. The Phillies aren't an option. So maybe he's trying to see, like, well, maybe if the, maybe if the Yankees make a move and they deal Sanchez, like I can go there. Um, you know, maybe like I said, like maybe something like the Braves. Um, you know, just that that aspect of where where do other guys go, and then we'll see. Like, and even even for guys like James McCann, who like I know you were shooting over some numbers earlier, you know, before we started recording. And he's got a, a pretty decent resume. So if he signs for, you know, 14, 15 million dollars a year and that like and it's longer term, then Molina has the argument to say, like, well, this is what this level of catcher is still being valued at. And I can get like so let me say, like, all right, here's my base pay. But if I put up the similar production with what he would do in a year, I'm going to have all of these incentives. So that's where I think that it plays a part is that like. Yeah, Molina's, you know, it's his end of the, you know, like it's his end of career contract. Like, this will probably be the last contract that he signs. But at the same time, like, he's, he, you know, it's just human nature to want to get yours. So if he can wait yeah. for these pieces to fall, because I honestly feel like it's, like, McCann and Real Muto is a really odd situation. So if Real Muto signs first... Well, now McCann's probably the best available catcher. So the desire that other teams that really need a catcher, McCann becomes more expensive. But if McCann were to sign first and they aren't utilizing Real Muto's contract as a price point. Um, so think of it like the deal that the Phillies gave Harper and gave him that fat contract. Then the Angels came out and re-signed Trout. If the Angels sign Trout first, does Harper try to negotiate for more money to be in that same ballpark as Trout? Or was he content being the highest paid player at the time he signed that deal? So the Phillies were probably willing to pull the trigger a little quicker. Or the Angels were like, let's just see what Harper signs for, and then we'll use that as our price point, and we'll give Trout a little bit more than that. You know, and that like that should be fine. It's like if, if Harper would have gotten $400 million dollars, then you probably got to go like 405, 410 type aspect for Trout, you know? Um, so I think that like that might be wh where I say like they, it matters a little bit, 
but I think once one of them signs, like I, I view it like a fantasy draft for baseball. Like, you know, no one's concerned about relief pitchers until someone drafts a closer. And then once someone drafts a closer, now it's on everyone's mind. That's like, all right, well, I don't, do I want to be that guy that jumps on the relief pitcher closer? And I get a guy that I know I'm going to slot into that role all the time. And he's going to get me potentially 40 saves, but I need that out of him because I'm wasting a sixth round pick. Or am I that guy that's going to wait till the 17th round and I'm just going to pick whatever closers available and hope he's serviceable. You know, like the Trevor Rosenthal's of the world that if you, if you drafted Trevor Rosenthal for the 2020 season, he probably made you look like a genius because you probably took him hella late and he was a stud for Kansas city. And then I think he got hurt in San Diego or he just didn't really do much in San Diego. One or the other kind of fell, kind of fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. But he, he made you look like a genius when he was in Kansas city. Like, Yep, Kansas City wasn't going to win a ton of games, so no one was going to take him. But every time it was a close game and Rosenthal came into the game, he was lights out. Yeah, you know, like I think Kansas City had like 20 wins, and I think he had like 15 saves for the Royals, something like that, something yeah. ridiculous. Um, like 15 saves in a 60-game season is a ton. Um, I don't, I don't know if those numbers are accurate, but it was something like that. So like that that's the only aspect that I think that these other guys play a part. And for Wainwright, I think Wainwright's market is Wainwright's market. Um, I honestly think that the big piece is gonna be if Molina comes back to the Cardinals. If Molina comes back to the Cardinals, I think that Wainwright will continue to entertain that conversation. I think if Molina signs somewhere else, there's a strong possibility you see Wainwright just hang it up. Unless Molina were to go to Atlanta then I could see Wainwright making a push to be willing to sign like a one-year deal in Atlanta. But given that they just gave one-year deals to Morton and to uh, Smiley, I don't think they'll be interested in Wainwright. Like, I don't think they have anyway. a spot for him. Um, he needs help. He might close, you know? I, I mean, I guess that there's that. Like, um, I mean, their, their bullpen was hit or miss. He come back to be in the bullpen of another team. Yeah, I, I, I also agree. Like, I think that with Wainwright, it's probably he's either a Cardinal or he retires. Um, but who, who knows? And like, and I only think – so for me, I would say, like, I feel pretty confident that's where it's at. Like, that would be where I'd put, like, 80% of my money, and the other 20% would be that he signs in Atlanta if Molina also went to Atlanta. Or – sorry, maybe say that's 5%, and then 15% would be, like, if he's – if, if he's not a Cardinal, he retires, whatever you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a strong possibility. He's yeah, either yeah, yeah. a Cardinal or he's not playing in the MLB in 2021. Um, I think especially if it's a, a situation where they aren't playing in front of fans and they do like any sort of bubble situation and he can't just freely spend time with his kids and freely spend time with his wife. And they can't come out to the stadium to see him play. Like, I imagine he, he loves that shit. So if he can't do any of that, maybe the game isn't as, as great as it once was. Um, like, you've already seen guys like Alex Gordon already said that he's going to retire. I think he's our age. Like, I think he's 35 and he just won a gold glove. Something like that. Like, maybe he's a couple years older than us, but... He, he definitely had the type of year that he could still play. Um, yeah, like he played 50 games, 
Uh, I mean, he only hit like 210, which is way down, but he's like a 260 career hitter. Four home runs, 11 RBIs. You know, it's like decent numbers. He's, he was 36, so he'd be 37 for next year. Um, but he won a gold glove, and he's won a gold glove four years in a row. So he's not, not hurting the Royals. Like, he spent his entire career with the Royals, 14 years. And he's just like, eh, like, I'm, I'm just going to hang him up. I'm just done. Like, I don't – it's run its course. Like, and I, I imagine a part of that is, A, probably the team he plays for, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah. You know, like, he got his ring. Like, they, he played in two World Series in back-to-back years. He got a championship. Um, you know, he's, he's had – had a, a decent enough career um you know like like i i could see you know wayne wright you know making that same decision i could see molina making that same decision like oh like we're gonna be under lock and key like that's not it's not what i'm all about so that that might be a factor too like what what type of season are we looking at for next year maybe i don't know um, so other than that, and the, uh, in the world of, of Cardinal baseball, um, have you ever gone to their winter warmup stuff? Have you ever partaken in any of that? Mm-mm. So I, no. I have not either, but like, I, I've have a couple buddies that have, um, and like just, Obviously, what you hear on like local sports radio stuff like that, like they probably aren't going to say anything bad. But I feel like anything that I have done, like you know the the Blues Parade and like the praise that the Cardinals had, and just all the all the different things, like in St. Louis they tend to do it right. I mean, like the only time it was ever really like a bad experience for the from a fan's perspective was anything involving Stan Kroenke. Um, but outside of that, like they kind of do it right. So I was reading an article today that their Cardinals are doing the winter warm-up this year virtually, which I which I think is great. Um, normally, like you you buy tickets like a three-day event like mid-January. Um, so usually there's a fee to go to the event, but when you're there, like there's different things you can experience. Like you know, like it's kind of like a con of things, like you know, Cardinal con. Um, you can wait in line for photos autograph opportunities, you know, you know, specific memorabilia, um, you know, Fredbird's there, broadcasters are there, Hall of Famers, current players, owners, coaches, you know, like just kind of everyone's there, run of the mill. Like if they're like, I think like the big thing, what, two years ago would have been like Paul Goldschmidt being there because I think they signed him or traded for him like right before they did their winter warm up. So they had Goldschmidt there and like introduced him as a Cardinal. All that. So like, they get to do all that shit. But there's like, it's like an event essentially that you're paying for. Well, this year, because it's virtual, the article that I was reading, they're like, we're still doing some stuff. Like, you have the opportunity to purchase ahead of time autographed and personalized memorabilia. And like, there's still like the silent auctions and there's still the 50 50 raffle that you can get into. But I feel like this is another one of those like perfect opportunities for you know, the Cardinals or MLB in general to make a presence online. And like, you would just be able to like stream these events. So it's like, Hey, like come to, you know, twitch.tv slash St. You know, STL Cardinals. And yep. we're, we're going to do winter warm up Like we're going to have, 
you know, shilt on for Q and A at this point in time. We're going to interview these players and like, they don't need to go anywhere. Like you would interview them remotely just like you would for a game or whatever the case may be. But like fans can type in chat or like they can send in questions and they're vetted ahead of time. Like what, whatever the case may be. And it could be like, Hey, like if you want to be a part of the Q and a, like you can be, but it's going to be like in subscriber only chat. You know, it's like, you got to sub to the channel four ninety nine a month or free with Twitch prime you know, get your free month and you can ask a question, you know, like, uh, like it, it just, it seems like it's too easy to set it up and to like, Oh, we're going to do it virtually. But all of the things that you're doing virtually are just like, Hey, like buy our autographs and buy our memorabilia, like stuff that you can do any day of the year. Like you can buy this stuff. Like, I can go to the website right now and go to game yeah. use memorabilia and get what I'm looking for. Right. So. Like it's not anything new. Like, the the experience of being there yeah yeah like you're not going to get to get a picture taken with somebody or shake their hand or whatever the case may be like you're not getting that like kids aren't going to be hugging fred bird which i and i think that that's what makes the experience awesome um like it everyone always says all the time that you know st louis is a baseball town and it the fact that like in the middle of the winter which sometimes the winters here are pretty rough normally january is relatively fucking cold here and like it doesn't matter like people would come out and drove today yeah well it flurried today and it really wasn't that cold but like, i like walk walking the games in january like the blues games it was rough um it was it, it gets ridiculously cold for me like single digit 10 degree weather like if there's a, like if water would freeze you shouldn't be outside like that's the whole thing but this city like people would come out in droves to support uh, sport that's not even going on right now because they know that like brighter days are around the corner that, like that everyone loves them some cardinals that lives here uh even like a non-sports fan will get hyped up for cardinals playoff baseball um not that people don't do it for the blues playoff hockey but i like if if you're a sports fan i don't think that like in st louis there's really not anything as exciting as playoff hockey but I think in general, like playoff hockey, especially like live playoff hockey, is probably one of the more exciting things in sports in general. If you're just like a non-casual fan, like people get hyped up. Like people will rock some white and red all over the place for Cardinals when they're in a playoff run. Even though you might not, like you may not even know who Mike Schilt is. Like you could have met Mike Schilt and you like, I had no idea that he was the coach of the Cardinals. But yeah. you're rocking a jersey because it's opening day you're rocking a jersey because they're playing in the playoffs that night. And, like, you'll know what happened. You know, like, uh, the, a vibe of your of your workplace could completely change whether the Cardinals won or lost the night before for a Cardinals-Cubs game in August. You know, like, oh, it was this, this crazy. It's like, like people people love them some Cardinals here in St. Louis. Um, I, will, I will give them that. So... You're, you're taking away all the stuff that I think is awesome about it, and it's the exposure to the team, but you don't need to lose that just because it's virtual, and they aren't hyping that up at all. Like, not it, it's not till mid to late January, so it's not that they can't, they can't do that, but they're like, we're doing it virtual, you can still buy stuff, <laughs> not like, hey, come, come meet the Cardinals, come, you know, you know, <laughs> like, Come celebrate like Tyler O'Neill's gold glove. Like 
come, you know, we're going to interview Tommy Edmond and like, see what his thoughts are. And like, we're going to talk to players about what it was like to be bubbled up for, you know, for the, the postseason or the expanded playoffs or, you know, all, all that stuff, like what it was like being, you know, quarantined in Milwaukee for an extended period of time or to live in Chicago for what felt like a month. Cause they had 15 games and like, 12 days against the Cubs and the White Sox. Like, interview about that stuff. Like, let people see behind the scenes. Hype up that that's what you're going to do. And all kinds of people are going to tune in. Every team should be doing that. It's crazy. Yeah. Could you imagine a Major League Baseball team out here peddling uh, Amazon Prime? Oh, top of the hour every hour. Uh, we're out here. Uh, if you're not followed, uh, hit subscribe. Uh, and go ahead. Uh, every streamer <laughs> I would rather Point that. I would rather it be that than, well, looks like 55% of people think that this bat's going to end with a ball. <laughs> Which that that might be what we get advertised when we watch Cardinals games next year now that, you know, Fox Sports channels were bought out by Bally's. <laughs> so uh... I would much rather get, hey, you can subscribe for free for one month with your Amazon Prime. And you get a free subscription every month. So, like, if you have Amazon Prime, you could follow STL Cardinals on Twitch for free every month as a subscriber. Whatever. You could totally, yeah. totally partner together. MLB Network's out there, and they do a lot of good content. So I do say if you if you do have Amazon Prime and you're listening, sign up for Twitch. Link up your Amazon Prime account and check out MLB Network's Twitch channel. Subscribe to they have a guy, so you can subscribe to my channel as well. I haven't streamed in quite a while, but mm-hmm. I plan on trying to get back into it. Um, I just don't know when. But Yo, MLB, we're not MLB, sponsored by your stream. Bro. Yeah, MLB Network. Yeah, they have good content, so check that out for sure. Yeah, true. Um, so if if we have time, I'm gonna put a, a pin in this because I feel like we've we've gone longer than I expected. Like we're at the 50 minute mark. Um, so I'm gonna put a pin in this because I want to get to the off season checklist stuff. But if we have time, I want to circle back because there was an interesting article that I read today that was like predicting what would have changed if Pujols stayed with the Cardinals after 2011 rather than signing with the Angels. And like I just kind of checked out the headers for like the points that they were making. Um, and I thought that they were really interesting. So I wanted us to chat through that. But it will be something that we kind of push down the agenda a little bit. It's fine. So all you did, all you're telling me you did was read the headlines. Uh, yeah, like I think they had like eleven things that they had noted. Like hmm. this could, this would have been different. And I was like, oh shit, like maybe it would have. But I didn't read into like their explanation for it all. I just skimmed it and kind of hit the, hit the points. Um, Fair. But uh, so I guess I guess we'll we'll roll through the Yankees real quick um, for their off season checklist. Um, it uh, it's a pretty short list. Um, I'm looking at it right now and, uh, I think it's, it's just kind of more, more of the same. I made a checklist like as the season wrapped up and I think they stole it from me. That's what I did. Uh, oh, I can, I did not, but I can send it to you real quick. Tell me you would. Tell me you would. I did tell you that I would. I'm sorry. There you go. It's in, it's in discord, in a discord. Um, while, while I'm thinking about it, I'll, I'll grab the one for, the Redbirds as well, and I will shoot, shoot that over to you also. I don't know. Okay, I was like, I don't know why that one didn't give me a picture like the other one. But whatever. Yeah. 
All right, so their biggest needs, what they ha- what they have on here, middle infield. Um, yeah, I I think that that makes sense. Um, you're losing DJ LeMahieu. You don't really have anyone to play second base right now. It'd be Tyler Wade. Uh, not that he's terrible, but he's definitely not your everyday second baseman. Um, so I think your option is you either need to bring back LeMahieu and he's going to play second, and you got to continue to work with Torres back at shortstop. Or if LeMahieu signs somewhere else, if the deal isn't isn't the right deal, um, you know they're they're saying that uh, LeMahieu's probably in the ballpark of a three to four year deal, around twenty million a year. I think that I would be okay with that. Three years at twenty million a year, I would completely be content with. Um, four years, I could probably live with that. Five at twenty million a year, I would probably be like eh, like. This is pushing it anything longer than five years, unless you're getting him at like 12 million a year again. Um, I wouldn't be happy with. So I, I think it's obvious. I think they either need to sign LeMahieu, or in my opinion, if LeMahieu goes somewhere else, they need to trade for Francisco Lindor. Um, I think Lindor does so much to adding depth to the team. Um, he can bat at the top of your lineup. Um, he's a switch hitter, so the fact that they're way, way righty favored, uh, especially if Gardner leaves and you're going to have Frazier be an everyday player, um, now you're losing another left-handed at bat for a righty. Um, but you would then have Lindor, who's a switch hitter, Hicks is a switch hitter, um, and that's really like the extent of the left-handed at bats that you have. Um, so it isn't it isn't great. Um, but it adds some depth. If you're going to bring LeMahieu back, then you figure it out, you make it work. Um, but if I think if you have Lindor, who's phenomenal defensively, uh, pretty good with the bat, you shift Torres back to second, uh, Voigt's playing first, you have Urshela at third, um, Judge, Hicks, Frazier, some combination of those out in the outfield, Stanton's going to be your DH. Uh, and then behind the plate right now, it would be Sanchez. And then you have Higgy backing him up. I'm I'm happy with that with that lineup. Um, if you move Torres back to short, slot Lemayhu back in at second, also okay with that. So need a middle infielder, but I think it's got to be it's got to fill a void, and they need a guy that'll bat at the top of the lineup. Uh, so that's why I say it's limited to Lindor or Lemayhu. Uh, next on the list, uh, starting catcher. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Gary, Gary Sanchez, like I, I think that his offensive power has been ridiculous, but he is, he, his catching gotten so bad behind the plate that like you, he's too much of a hindrance to be your catcher. And because you have Stanton, you don't have the ability to DH him. Like if, if Giancarlo Stanton was not like say he accepted the deal to the Cardinals, um, I I would be completely content with Gary Sanchez being a Yankee for the foreseeable future. Um, I'd also say that if Stanton had accepted the trade to the Cardinals, I think Paul Goldschmidt would be a Yankee, um, and Luke Voigt would not be a Yankee. Because uh, I don't think the Cardinals ever would have traded for him and then signed him. So I think the Yankees just would have been able to go after Goldschmidt needing a first baseman. Um, so I, I think if I could choose, I'd much rather have... I'd probably go with Goldschmidt as a first baseman and Sanchez as our DH. 
then Stanton as our DH, Voight at first, and Sanchez behind the plate. Um, just because I think defensively, I think Voight and Sanchez are both pretty big liabilities. Um, so, I said it early on. I'll say it again. JT Realmuto should be a New York Yankee for next year. And then they figure out Sanchez after that point. Um, if you can't bring in a replacement for Sanchez, then you, you just live with that. But I wouldn't be okay. I, I don't think I'm okay with Higashioka being the everyday catcher. Um, he can go ahead and catch Garrett Cole every fifth day. Give your catcher a day off. Sure, by all means. Don't have, don't have a problem. Uh, Real Muto can, you know, he can DH that day and you can give Stanton a day off so he doesn't get hurt, you know. Um, but I guess that's the other, the other factor as well. Um, Stanton and Judge can't stay healthy. So if Judge is hurt, then Stanton's playing the outfield and then you have a DH spot available for Sanchez. Um, if Stanton's hurt, then you just have a DH spot available for Sanchez. So maybe you hold on to him as a depth piece, um, even if you sign Real Muto. Um, because you're probably going to be able to get regular bats for him. Um, maybe you try to teach him how to play first base, and if Voight continues to have foot problems, you can put him there. Um, he can he can catch for you occasionally if he needs to, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, I agree. Starting catcher, um, I put I would put starting catcher probably above a middle infielder. But I think they're they're both. It's kind of like a one A one B one C situation, uh, because I think their biggest hole right now is starting pitching. Um, I think starting pitching is the reason why they didn't win a World Series last year. Um, if they were to, if they were to go into a situation right now where Sanchez is just their starting catcher and Tyler Wade is their second baseman, and like that's what you're filling those voids with, um, the like being able to have something behind Cole, I think would still be enough to put them over the top, like to make them a legit contender. Um, if they could get like a Blake Snell from Tampa Bay through a trade or they bring in Bauer or they bring back Tanaka or they do all three, um, <laughs> you know, like that, that would be where it's at. Like you could invest in just starting pitching. And if you build a rotation that's that stacked, I think the Yankees become the immediate favorite to win a World Series, even if Tyler Wade's the starting second baseman. So, do I think they'll do any of that? Yes. Do I think they'll do all of that? No. Um, I think that it's probably one starting pitcher that they sign. Um or trade, or sign or trade for, I would be really hard-pressed for which I would rather have, um, Snell or Bauer. Um, I mean, you're going to complain if you get either one of them, though. Yeah, like, I, 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 yeah, like, if that's, yes, I agree. That's how the like, cookie uh, crumbles, you know? Yeah, like, it's... That, yeah, like, I would say that's a, that's a 1A, 1B situation as well. Um, I also wouldn't be mad if Tanaka comes back. Um, that like honestly, that's what I would like to see. I mean, Tanaka's only 32. Um, he just hasn't hasn't really gotten it done consistently lately. Um, so I'd like to see Tanaka out of the number two spot. 
So I, I would really like to see them either sign Bauer and Tanaka or trade for Snell and sign Tanaka. Like, if they did both of that, like, I, I would be very, very happy. Um, but, of course, like, you, you also have, like, if Bauer's sticking to his one-year deal type thing, maybe I would lean a little bit more towards that. Um, like, let's bring Bauer in. Let's, you know, let's sign Tanaka um, more long-term. And then you have, okay, Cole, Tanaka, your long-term one-two. And you have Severino coming back, Domingo Herman coming back. Um, Davey Garcia looked pretty good. Montgomery had flashes of, of looking like a major league pitcher. So, like, they, they have guys that can be there. I just don't think they're ready yet. Um, so, if you do bring in a guy and it's, you know, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna invest heavily in Bauer, but it's for like a one or two year deal. I don't have any problems with that. Um, if you're if you're getting a Blake Snell, the likelihood that you have like you're that you're not giving up uh, Davy Garcia or Domingo Herman or even like Luis Severino, it's probably pretty minimal. So or like Clark Schmidt, even like they're probably gonna reload on young arms by trading Snell. Um, would be my assumption, but I I think that that's uh that that's where where it's at. So yeah. I would agree with all of those checklists, um, but they're what I've been saying since the season like was coming to an end. And then when the the Yankees got knocked out, like you probably go back, you know, to those seasons when we were recapping things. And this was my checklist: like don't sign Hap, <laughs> trade Sanchez, sign Real Muto. Bring in starting pitching. (laughs) You'd have to take a really oddball approach to think that the Yankees needed much more than that, or like to take a real hot take look to be like, um, yeah, we need a new third baseman, or is Luke Voigt really the future of first base? Like, you know, you'd really have to like be stretching and like lying to yourself. So, which is good for the Yankees that they're not that many pieces away, but. I they definitely have to commit to pitching. Pitching seems to be their one like, hey, well, we threw $38 million at the problem last year. So like, but that only helped them so many games out of the year. Um, right. And I heard G, like their, their bullpen sometimes was a little shaky. So I think that comes together, but like they, they need another top end starter and they, they are a team that's built. Uh, like the say Dodgers, like they have the payroll um, and the payroll flexibility to um, have two, you know, one A, one B starters. Correct. Um, and to beat a team like the Dodgers, like you're going to need them. So. Yeah, and and it's not that it it couldn't have been good. Um, I mean Paxton being hurt for you know most of the year definitely was an issue. Um, Severino was hurt for all for the entire year from Tommy John surgery. So it like, if everyone stayed healthy, it looks a little better for them last year, but Tanaka's gone. Paxson's gone. Hap's gone. Like those currently, obviously any of them could come back other than Jay Hap. He's not allowed back on the Yankees roster. Um, um, it's a hard no for me. I will call Brian Cashman somehow. Like I will, <laughs> I will follow him on every social media and I, I will, I will troll him. You can block me. I'll create a new account. I don't care until they fire Hap. Um, 
he just should not be on the on the roster in the rotation for the Yankees by any means or the bullpen or anything. He should not be a New York Yankee anymore. Um, I, I will be very happy the day that Jay Happ signs a contract with another team. Yes. Now he can't <laughs> come back. He can't come back to the Yankees. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I, I agree. Like you said, like it's, it seems like a pretty big no brainer. Um, I've been saying it for a while now. Uh, makes sense. I agree with everything that they talked about. Um, I don't think that they're, if they put them in any sort of order, um, I don't agree with the order that they're in, in terms of what would be the most impactful. Um, I think they should put starting pitching, then middle and field, then a starting catcher, but bettering any of those situations, I think will help. But if they don't address their starting pitching, unless they have, unless they hit on literally everything they have down, like with like the younger kids coming up, they aren't going to win a world series in 2021. Um, and that's not acceptable for me. So like the, if, if what you have isn't going to win, unless it fires on all cylinders, make it better. Like yeah. you, you can't, if your game plan is like, well, our pitching needs to be perfect and stay healthy all year, or we aren't going to win a world series, then add depth there. Like get, make, make your pitching staff better. Like that's, I think that's a simple fix for me. Yeah. Agreed. Easy for me to say that, but they also make, they have a fuck ton of money. So it should be easy for me to say, spend it. Um, Riding around. I'm spending. So Cardinals. Um, I, I, again, I think that this, I don't know, like looking at it, they have they have three options as well. It's probably a similar makeup because I imagine they did this for pretty much everybody. Um, first glance, like yeah, I think they all make sense. Um, but if we if we go into it a little bit more, I I, I don't think it's as cut and dry as what they're they're making it out to be. Um, so the first thing they have on there is a hitter or two. Um, yeah. I think that's a little bit of a cop out. Um, I I don't think like. I, I guess it depends on what they're saying, what they what they're defining as well, a did, hitter. Did you read Did you read after a hitter or two? Uh, that's what I'm I'm reading through right now. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if you've already read through it, if you wanna if you wanna state your piece while I'm reading, so we're not silent air. Oh yeah, no, you're good. So the hitter or two, um, it, apparently, like there's all involved with it but uh, again he's just kind of sitting here talking about like needing more production from the outfield um and that will be a priority this offseason uh, either internally or adding more free agents through the trade market um and then it goes on to talk about like jock peterson's marcel zuna's jackie bradley jr's adam eaton's like uh as soon as like as soon as you sent me this and i opened it up and like the first word i really read was needing consistent outfield production so really what they did here was they said a hitter or two and just really masked the fact that like we still don't have an outfield for four years we've been talking about we need an outfield we still don't have the outfield um i thought i was gonna get to go a little bit longer in the off season without having to talk about the cardinals need for an outfield but here we are again um so bad headline because the headline should read here better outfield and a hitter or two yeah and and for me like i that's more like three or four players yeah well so i i think that after carlson came back up um after being sent to like the alternate training site i think he looked much better at the plate um i don't know i i can't say i watched enough of his at bats 
to to really pinpoint like this is what he's doing differently but clearly he changed something or maybe his yeah. confidence was just there like he just needed a breather or whatever he's a young ass kid so i get it you know like i i, I totally understand that, like there's a ton of pressure put on him pretty early yeah. on when he came up and he like the the more times he came up in situations where he could pay off and it didn't happen he probably put, only put more pressure on himself um the minor leagues you really think- wasn't a thing so do you think his pressure is going to be gone though? Like say you lose a Colton Wong, you lose a Yadier Molina uh, and you're Dylan Carlson. So I, I don't like think the now, pressure like is going to be sudden, like, gone. Have some pressure. Yeah. Like I don't think the pressure is going to be gone, but I also don't think like, I personally don't believe that Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader will get off to as bad of a start as what they did. Um, I also don't believe that Dexter Fowler will get off to as hot of a start as what he did. So I think the outfield will kind of come more to like fall more to the averages. Um, and I don't know who Carlson. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't, and because of that though, I don't know who Carlson will replace. Like O'Neill's numbers offensively weren't terrible. It's just when he, like he looked really bad at the plate for stretches a, of time. Yeah. He's a typical power hitter he been but he didn't hit that many home runs like he just wasn't there if he would have hit he had a lot of home, he had a lot um, of home runs for the cardinals you know? like on the cardinals lineup he hit a, he hit a lot of home runs it just wasn't a lot of home runs compared to other power hitters in the mlb yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean he was top home run hitter on the team for sure he was blowing people out the water but yeah as far as that position goes or that like power hitter stance like his production doesn't um, produce that like you're a power hitter and, and bad for him that everyone talks about how jacked he was and all he is is a power hitter and he can, you know, he can fly. I think what even like we were playing when we were playing MLB the show, O'Neill has a faster speed rating than Harrison Bader did, um, which I would have never guessed. But he had a lot of pressure just coming on to him as I oh, was going to be this power hitter. This is how many home runs he hits. He hits, he hits a lot of stuff and he just, he hasn't found that overall offensive production. He is going to let some go because he is naturally a strong guy, but he's not seeing something at the plate, not able to pick up on something. He needs, he needs some work. Yeah. Like I, I think that like, I, I don't know that I would call Dylan Carlson a power hitter. Um, but not, but not that he can't be. Like he, he's in, he's in that really weird dilemma. Like, it's a lot of like, and it's like Jim Edmonds. Like I, like when I think of power hitters, like I, like Jim Edmonds' name doesn't come to mind. But he hit a decent amount of home runs. Like he had some pop yeah. for sure. Like he had that, like just that natural lefty uppercut swing. And when he got around on a ball, like he sent a lot of balls pretty far out in the right field. Um, and I think that Carlson can have that same type of pop, but I, I think that where Carlson's going to make his money is that he's going to hit a ton of doubles. He's going to leg out triples. He's going to, you know, like he's going to hit for a high average because his speed's going to keep him out of slumps. Um, as long as he can put the ball in plate uh, in play, he was struggling at the plate when he was striking out a bunch. Um, yeah. and I think that that's what was alarming to me is that he wasn't having productive at bats. That's why it seemed like he was pressing um, but a big part of that early on was like no one else was doing anything. Like the fact that like Bader batted, I think he finished the season like over 200 <laughs> is crazy. Like he had to bat like 350 in the back half of the year because he batted so terribly at the beginning of the year. 
So it was like, if if I don't get a hit here with the bases loaded, like if I don't drive in these runs, we may not score runs this game. Like this may be our only scoring opportunity. Um, well, and early in the year, that's what it felt like a lot. Well, and how many, how many players can you say uh, come up and in their first, you know, two weeks of baseball get put in like 10 different uh, bases loaded situations with like yeah. one to two outs. Yeah. Like they really like they were starting to hit at a, like a really like he was just starting to come up like um, and he just had some bad luck like but he hits the ball really nice like he's a really like I remember watching him and being like he's just got like a really good form right like a really repeatable yeah. swing that when it when it hits the ball like he doesn't have to be the strongest guy but his form is so good that when he hits the ball it's going to be hit hard um and that's how he approaches everyone and it wasn't like he had horrible at bats i think i thought he was seeing the ball well he just had Mm -hmm. some bad luck on some bounces he was hitting them hard at people um which is in they talk about advanced analytics like hitting balls hard and like that's uh, that contact rate just when they're at people like that's just sometimes the way the the way it happens um but it was a good uh, there was a lot of good signs for him around i just you also fear that like we did watch the oh man like we're just gonna hit in the double plays which is fair i'm not like discrediting them but like if it starts again like does how many times do we have to send him back down we've seen this with colton wong before like oh he's really good we got to send him down right really good we got to send him down harrison bader he's really good we got to send him down right he's back uh tyler o'neill really good we got to send him back down so is he just a, yet another guy that's like shows flashes of brilliance might never work out because he can go back get his right and he's better than the triple a league but not not a consistent MLB hitter. MLB. Yeah, but he crushes, you know, and like we have a couple of those players right now. So Right. Yeah, I mean it like I think a prime example to show like you know, like the advanced analytics that you're talking about with like his, you know uh percentage of hard hit balls, um, yeah, like his expected batting average, like that kind of stuff. So some like a, a similar player that they talked about that that's what was going on was Marcelo Zuna. And look at the year he had in Atlanta last year. Um, yeah. So like it, we, we hyped up a lot to like, yeah, like the hundred RBIs that Ozuna had, you know, the, you know, the, what that 2017 year. Um, yeah. But it was, yeah. A hundred RBIs because the guys batting in front of him were on base all the time because it was like yeah. two, like Stanton won the MVP that year. Yelich went on to win an MVP in Milwaukee. Um, and D Gordon was D Gordon at the time, um, who fell off the face of the earth a little bit, you know, when he went to Boston, but he was stellar, you know, his time in Miami. Um, for him, that's what you're supposed to do when you go to Boston. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's where he went. Um, I don't remember, but I, I, at least he was there for a little bit. I don't, I don't know. Either way, he kind of disappeared, but you know, whatever it might've been, he might've been in the Met, like with the Mets for a little bit too. Uh, um, I think he went to Seattle for a little bit. He kind of bounced around a couple places, I think. But either way, it's like, uh, like Ozuna, though, when he was here in St. Louis, like, that was, a, like, what everyone talked about. It's like, oh, like, he, he still quietly hit 300, but it's like, he doesn't really have the power numbers, 
but he has this really hard contact rate. Like the exit velocity off his bats always at a high rate. Like he has a lot of hard hit balls. Like his expected batting average is even better. Like his expected slugging percentage is even better. He's just getting on lucky. And then they eventually like, yeah, 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 whatever. We're kind of done with it. Um, yeah, he had the shoulder injury or whatever. It's so like everyone talks about that, but it was just like excuse after excuse after excuse. Goes to Atlanta, one year deal, and he has a uh, a really really strong season, you know, with a contract on the line, and I think he'll get paid because of it, um, and and good for him. But it shows that like that sort of bad luck does exist, and with Carlson, really like the big issue, like you said, is like when when it was bases loaded and one out he would strike out or hit into a double play, like a hard hit ball, because he has a lot of speed. So to double him up, it had to be hit hard right at somebody, probably up the middle, you know, like, or near second base is, is really the only way that's going to happen. And then when it was bases loaded in two outs, it'd be like a line drive at an outfielder or a deep fly ball, you know, something along those lines. It's like and if he would have, yeah, it's like if he would have gotten more of those deep fly balls to the warning track when the, in those, bases loaded one out situations that's an rbi and a sack fly so it doesn't hurt your batting average so his batting average looks a little better his rbi numbers go up and he's driving in runs with those situations with runners in scoring position and those were the opportunities he had that they were like ending in like worst case scenario more often than not so it looked really really terrible um and i don't i don't think that that's going to stick around um and Sure, if he gets this stuff out of his system when he's 21, like, he he could potentially be, like, your uh, starting outfielder for the Cardinals for, like, the next 15 years with no problem. Yeah. You know, 18 <clears throat> years. You know, the, this guy's going to be an everyday starter for your team, assuming he stays healthy. Um, but I think, like, the the point that they're making that they're like, oh, they need a hitter or two, where it's like, yeah, that, that's where it's at. But I don't think that that solves their issues. Like, DJ LeMahieu is a hitter. Like, arguably one of the best hitters in the game right now from just being good at the plate. Like, he hits for a really high average, won the batting title. Just, you know, it, he's stellar at the plate. Like, he's a hitter, pure as it could be. But he doesn't solve the problem that the, that the Cardinals have. Like, the Cardinals need a middle-of-the-lineup hitter. Like, they need a guy that's going to bat alongside and protect or get on base or be a threat beforehand, like, behind Goldschmidt in front of the young. Um, like, that that's the kind of guy that they need. Um, you know, and, and, and that aspect. Like, and that that's why, like, yeah, like, Adam Eaton, Jock Peterson, Jackie Bradley Jr., like, those help out, but I honestly believe like the the perfect fit for the Cardinals for this offseason, in my opinion, is George Springer, and they aren't going to sign like they aren't going to pay the money to sign Springer because of the down year due to attendance because of COVID, and that that could be true, you know, whatever. But I think that that would be the best fit for what the Cardinals need. Like it makes their outfield better defensively. And it is a guy that you can slot into the middle of your lineup because that's what he did in Houston. And Houston had a far better lineup. So he was batting in the middle of the lineup with more productive guys around him that probably could have been in that spot. You know, but that like that's what they did with him and it and he did well there. So I agree with they need a hitter, but I, I don't think it's just a, a hitter that they need. It's a very particular type of hitter that they need to bring in and it probably needs to be an outfielder. So, 
It's always an outfielder. Um, next thing they have on the list is a utility player. Um, they go quick to talk about if the Cardinals don't re-sign Colton Wong, then you have Tommy Edmond to be their everyday second baseman, and you kind of use you lose the utility player uh, mentality that you had. Um, but I I don't I don't know like I I feel like you're in a really weird spot if you're if your situation is like, we need a utility player. Like we just yeah. need a backup for all of our spots. Like that really doesn't strike me as like an off, like an off season checklist need. Um, like if, like if it, if it stems on like, Oh, if they don't resign Colton Wong, well then it seems like you're, you're, you're thinking the Cardinals shouldn't have Tommy Edmond be their everyday second baseman. If you're talking about them bringing Wong back and Wong starting over Edmond. If Edmund was the better option, then Wong would just be your utility guy, you know, type player. Unless we're saying, like, utility because Wong can't play third, which I don't know why Wong wouldn't be able to play third necessarily, but whatever. You can Wong um, play the outfield spot, though? I, I wouldn't see why not. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't think it would be that difficult. But, so really, to me, that's what you're saying, though, is that, like, Edmund has this versatility, so what you really need to bring in is an everyday second baseman. So that's really yeah. what you're talking about. Like you're not talking about a utility player. You have a utility player. You just need a guy that's good enough to say that Edmund isn't your everyday second baseman. Yeah, so, but the Cardinals are too cheap to sign a replacement for Colton Wong, or they would have just signed Colton Wong. Um, so they need someone cheaper than Tommy Edmond. Well, probably not going to get cheap, much cheaper than Tommy Edmond, but they definitely want someone around more like the one. They want to call him a utility man, and so they can call him like million and a half, two million a year, and you know, cut that payroll down. That's what they're saying there. Yeah, and like we'll the Tommy Edmond play that spot for like eight hundred k or whatever he's making. Right. Well, like the the weird part for me with this is that like it's like when we were looking at the Yankee stuff. And like even when they like were talking about the hitter or two that was needed, they threw out options with like, hey, this is your checklist and here's some of the things that fit that. Like they even went to the point where like for the hitter or two, they're like, this winner offers options at almost every price. So like there's like George Springer, but then there's guys like Jock Peterson, Adam Eaton. Like they name off guys. When it comes to the utility player, all they talk about, so if they don't resign Colton Wong, then Edmund figures to be their everyday second baseman which then Edmundo Sosa would be an internal candidate to take over a backup utility role. Uh, but the Cardinals could also use the spot to get a bat, one that can hit for power or get on base for the middle of the lineup. Without Wong, the Cardinals will need to address their leadoff hitter and their defense this offseason. So you say utility player, but then you specify that, like, well, you could use it for a utility player, you could get a power bat. But what are you, if you're, if you need a hitter or two, isn't that what you're doing is you're going to get up. Like if you need a power bat and you need a hitter or two, wouldn't that be the area that you kill two birds with one stone? Not, well, let's get a utility player. That's also a power bat. Like this just makes no sense to me with the way they're approaching this. Like it, it literally seems like they were stretching. Like they wanted to come out and say like the Cardinals need to get someone that can hit in the middle of their lineup, but they needed three things. But really that just would have been all three things is what it should have been is like, their their first, second, and third checklist is to get someone that can hit for power and plays an outfield position. Like that that's how it should be. Um but for me, like I I would think so like if I'm gonna say if I'm gonna throw out other names for guys that I think would fit the bill for the Cardinals, I think that like DeYoung doesn't kill you defensively. So I think that you could keep you could keep DeYoung at 
shortstop if you wanted to. But I think bringing in a guy that defensively is, you know, is at like that that level like an Andrelton Simmons, like a guy that isn't gonna isn't gonna cost you a ton, can play either side of the middle infield, and he's a like way above average defensively, and isn't gonna kill you at the plate. Like he's like not quite Brennan Ryan um, in terms of being bad at the plate. But he, he, he's two twenty eight. Yeah, but he's probably he's probably not going to bat over two fifty. He's probably isn't going to be your leadoff guy. Um, but I think for um, an inexpensive option, um, like here, like let's just see real quick what he did last year or recently. Let's say. Um, so yeah, so last year he batted um, thirty games and he hit two ninety seven. Uh, didn't hit any home runs, 10 RBI, stole two bases. Um, and he's only 30 years old. So like, this is a guy like 2019, like he played 103 games with the angels. Yeah. I'm taking 297 at the plate. dude. Yeah. He hit 264. Um, 2018 played 146 games. He hit 292. Like he's a 270 career hitter over nine years. Uh, and the five years with Atlanta are, the five years with the angels, like those last five seasons, he's hit 280. Um, so like, I, I don't, like, I don't know that he's still like that, that lead off hitter esque. Um, he's just a righty, but defensively, like he's, he's pretty good. Like he's got four gold gloves, uh, in his career, all shortstop. And he's 30 years old, nine years in the league. So he's, he's come in when he's young uh, played in Atlanta, played in LA, you know, it's like, I, I think it could be a good fit. I don't know what he got paid. Um, let's go see what his contract was. Cause I think he's a free agent this year. Make sure I'm not just lying about things. Um, yeah, no, he, he is a free agent. Yeah, it was a free agent and he, he's coming off of a seven year, $58 million deal with the angels. Uh, so he he made 15 million last year, um, but I I don't think that he will stay at that level. Like you'd probably I think you'd probably be able to get him, you know. I like it, like the seven years 58 million. It was like average salary of like a little over eight million a year. So I think you'd probably be able to sign him for close to that. Um, whereas like if you look at a guy. Uh, like George Springer, um, you know, it was like someone else was thrown out there. Like he made 21 million on a one-year deal last year with Houston. So you're probably looking at, you know, more like LeMahieu type money. So whereas I think like so Springer's probably top guy, but if you can't get that, then you could bring in someone like a Simmons and probably sign him for less than what you were gonna sign Wong for, um, like less than that 12. Twelve and a half million. You know, probably get them for three years, twenty million. Three years, twenty-four million, something like that. That's seven, eight million dollar range. Um, and you know he can easily play shortstop. I I I don't know how much he's played second, but I think it's much easier to move from shortstop to second than second to shortstop. Um, and like I say, he's a four-time Gold Glove winner. So you're replacing Gold Glove caliber defense with Gold Glove caliber defense. Um, seems like a pretty good fit. 
if they're going to throw out options with like what they need, but it's just me. Um, and then the other thing, uh, again, I, I feel like this is the same sort of cop-out is that they need a backup catcher. Yeah. So, and they're like, well, this is really only a need if the Cardinals can't re-sign Yadier Molina, uh, which they have, uh, which they have said they want to try and will try to do. Um, they talk about Kisner being 25 is considered to be major league ready. I, I'm sorry. If he's major league ready, then why are you considering and why do you want to resign Molina? <laughs> like if you have a 25 year old kid that's major league ready, just go with that. Like why? Like you just said that you need a power bat or you need a utility player, whatever crap you want to come up with. So really a backup catcher, you're going to bring in Molina because you have a kid that's majorly ready behind him. And they're like, even if they're like, if Molina signs elsewhere, the Cardinals will likely try to add a veteran catcher to split the position with Kisner. Why? Why? Like, I, I don't get it. Like, I sure. Like if they mean split time, like in the same manner that like Matt Weir split time, you know, like he's going to play 12 games a year. Yeah, whatever. Like that, that's fine. But if Kisner isn't going to play 140 games for you behind the plate, then he's like he's not major league ready. Like if you're, if that's the the concern that you have, and you have like, and if you give that a go, like if you say, all right, Kisner's our our catcher of the future, we're going to invest the next three or four years into him. And this is the route we're going to go, and we'll really get a feel for him. And then he goes into his prime. And I think that's when he'll be a free agent. Here, let's let's check that real quick. When does Kisner hit free agency? If, if Kisner was MLB ready, we'd have been – well, it's hard to say we'd have been seeing more plate appearances, but we seem to never give him play. Did I lose you? Appearances over Matt Weeders, so. Yeah, so. Um, bum, 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 bum. Yeah, so I think looking at this, yeah, he has one year of experience. So I think 2019 was his first year in the majors, maybe. So, yeah, so cause he's got a little over a year. So let's let's say the clock started in 2019. So 2019, 2020, so it'd be four more years before he would hit free agency. Uh, 2021, he's getting a little bit of a bump, so he's at like 575, which is like the league minimum, I'm pretty sure. And then he'll go into his arbitration eligible seasons. Um, you know, but so you you at least have him under contract till he's like 28, 29 years old. So there'll be arbitration eligible years. If he isn't performing, arbitration isn't going to earn him a lot of extra money. And then in that same three or four year time frame, you have Yvonne Herrera, who you just moved to your 40 man roster to protect him from rule five. I think he's only like 18 years old or something like that. Um, or he's 20. So he, he would be, you know, um, if you give that same time frame, now you're looking at him being 23. And if, Kisner isn't your catcher of the future and you don't want him to be your everyday catcher continuing moving forward, then you can look at like, all right, well, let's sign somebody for a couple of years or maybe Herrera is ready at the age of 23 and you, you, you know, you move it down the line and then maybe, you know, 
Herrera comes in at 23, and he's your catcher for the next 18 years until he's 41 years old, you know, <laughs> like Molina was. Um, yeah, like it, it just seems like you have a perfect opportunity. The only reason why you'd look at bringing Molina back is if you feel Kisner isn't majorly ready and you're going to have to bring a guy in anyway. You know, it's like, it just, it just seems yeah really awkward that there's like, Hey, like, well, if they, if they bring back the guy that they didn't pick up an option on and they bring back the guy that like, and they resign the catcher they've had for the last 52 years, um, you know, then the only thing they really need is a power bat for the middle or the, the only thing they really need is a hitter or two that could or couldn't play the outfield. And if it could be a power bat, it would be ideal. So in other words, they're just like, Hey, Hey man, like we'll write this article for you, uh, to wit. And then just like, make sure we get press access. So like whenever people are like, look, this is what the experts are saying too. Yeah. What, what we did is we went out and we added Jack Peterson and that's really all we needed to do. We, we, you know, we brought, we, we decided to roll the dice with Edmundo Sosa as our utility guy. Edmonds, our starting second baseman. We're investing in the kids. We're trusting the kids. And then we brought Molina back. We brought Molina back. We brought Wayne right back. We signed Jack Peterson, you know, Tommy Edmonds, starting second baseman, world series bound. We're going to win a championship. Watch out Dodgers. We, we're coming for you. You know, I'm yeah, like, man, when Rogers is now the, uh, now the player personnel manager for the St. Louis Cardinals, she decides <laughs> that's, um, what goes on. That's who wrote the article, just in case anybody is curious. <laughs> yeah. And Ann Rogers is now in the front office of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, she's got her own job. Because I agree with you. This article really makes it seem like the Cardinals are Jack Peterson, or if we wouldn't uh, like ruin it with Marcelo Zuna, we're just that player away from winning the ring. We're just. Yeah. If we could only have one guy in the outfield that would work, we'd be winning championships. And, and don't and get me just, wrong, like, like the the things they're talking about, like they they aren't wrong. Like they are things that could be on a checklist that the Cardinals need to do. But to say that these are their biggest needs in the off season, I think is such an understatement. Like it's so inaccurate. Like to say that, like, oh, d- this is their biggest needs. Like, I I would argue that they have a bigger need in solidifying their bullpen, um, because you you just don't know what you're gonna have next year. Like there there's so there's so many unknowns, and the fact that a lot of the guys that they expected to be in the bullpen ended up needing to be utilized as starting pitching. Like Kim, who started in the bullpen, got moved to being a starter. Gomber, who you expected to be able to be kind of like that long middle reliever, got moved to being a starter, and you don't know if you're going to need him in that role still. Um, yeah, but we had like the Genesis Cabrera. Yeah, and, yeah I'm uh, not. Alex Reyes started pitching pretty well this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying they don't have options. Yeah, I'm not saying they don't have options. But like, yeah, like Hicks could come back and be healthy. But that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a question mark behind that. Probably should be back next year. Well, like, so. So it's it's interesting that you bring up Brubia. So Brubia is still like he's still Tommy John in June. So he's out till at least the All Star break, let's call it, and he's up for to be a non tendered player. So mm-hmm. the Cardinals would have to tender him an offer by Wednesday. It's like they have to say, like, hey, this is what we're going to offer you as a new contract. And if they don't do that, then he becomes a free agent. 
and the expected like tender amount for his contract would be like eight hundred thousand dollars. So it's like almost double what he's making. So they're saying that like it could be possible that the Cardinals just don't pay him that money, given they're trying to shed payroll, and they're they're gonna have he's already gonna be out for at least half the season. Again, you don't know like what kind of setbacks will be back from there. So like this would just be an easy way to shed that payroll and not have to worry about it. And and it's not like all right, well we're sa- we're only saving five hundred thousand you know plus dollars, but you know you have to give them a raise because you have to tender them a contract and like there's stipulations that come along with that. So it'd be like a minimum of like eight hundred thousand dollars that he would this contract would be. So it would be knocking that money off. So they may not have Brebbia coming back next year. It looks like Giovanni Gallegos in there. Right. And and again, like and they have it. options, but yeah. there's there's still some question marks with those guys. Like Gallegos was great. Cabrera was great. You know, Reyes was great. Reyes has had flashes of brilliance and then he's disappeared and gotten hurt. They've had other guys that like can't you know, blame a guy for injury. Can't blame right. a guy for no, injury. No, for sure. But like the the more times it happens, the bigger that question mark becomes like my concern with Aaron judge. I absolutely think Aaron judge is a stud. I think John Carlos Stanton is a stud. I'm happy to have both of them in my lineup. If they're going to play 150 games for me, neither one of them have shown the capability of doing that over the last two years. So John Carlos Stanton, my foot hurt. You can go back to like <laughs> tape one of Chris saying, my name's John Carlos Stanton. My foot hurts. Oh, probably, probably. I pulled a hammy. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. And I'm from practice today. And I, and I will say like, I've, I've been dealing with prolonged lower back pain, but I'm also 35 and fat and I don't get paid millions upon millions of dollars. I don't have a team of doctors. Yeah. I don't have a team of doctors. I can't afford someone to cook for me every day, you know, and like make sure I'm eating healthy. And, you know, I don't have probably multiple personal trainers at my disposal. It's like, yeah, it's, it's not a, yeah so it's real <laughs> it's it's extremely understandable for me to be lazy and fat compared to john carlos stanton and that's why i don't get paid you know 25 million dollars a year to play baseball and right now he gets paid 25 million dollars to rehab injuries so i just like you you lose that concern uh or like that concern grows and you like it's kind of hard to shed that like even if Stanton had a great 2021 and he stayed healthy I would it would still be questionable for me um so with so with Reyes that's where it's at and then because of the long line of guys that had success over short periods of time in the Cardinals bullpen your Jason Motts your Trevor Rosenthal's your Jason Isringhausen's like that these guys like just kind of your Ryan Franklin's that they came in they were really great and then something happened like flip of a switch and they just lost it so what's to say that that doesn't happen to Gallegos, to Cabrera? So that's why I say like, they don't need bullpen help. They need to solidify their bullpen. The Cardinals closer curse, dude. I've been talking about that yeah. for years. We only yeah. get a car since uh, since uh, uh, um, Ryan Franklin, and it's pretty much like the Ryan Franklin era. Like not Ryan Franklin. Yeah, Ryan Franklin. Yep. Yeah, since him, dude, it's it's one or two years. That's what you get, and then you're no longer a Cardinals closer. You might not even be in baseball anymore. So, yeah, it's a hard job to take. Yeah, and it's like like let's look at it. so, uh, uh, Kim last year. All right, he pitched great. Um, thirty nine innings pitched, one point six two ERA, 
he allowed seven earned runs, or like he he allowed nine runs over the course of the season, nine of them. Um, in in those games though, I'm pretty sure two, maybe three. I think it was just two runs though scored in the one relief appearance that he had. So, so like 20% of his runs were allowed in the closers role the Cardinals. They moved into a starter, lights out. Dude was a stud. Like his ERA as a reliever was like 18. One game early in the year, let up two runs. I think it was like against the Pirates in the first, like in the first weekend. Like he let up two runs, got the save. Cause he got, I think he got one save last year. Yeah, one save, but he let up two runs in getting that save. And then he let up seven runs for the rest of the season. So that saying it, it, I agree with you. It is a cursed position for the Cardinals. Um, so where are we at? We're at like an hour forty. We can, man, we really got into in some depth stuff there. Yeah, we get we get into it. We get into it. Um, we can skip the winter meetings. I was gonna kind of just set if we had time. They start next week, so I I think they're like the sixth to the tenth. Um, so we can just get into that. We'll move that to next week. Um. Again, you know, we, we kind of covered the random free agent news that I have on there. Um, James McCann is apparently everyone under the sun's looking at him. Uh, the Yankees, the Cardinals, the Angels. He's, the, he's all of a sudden the new girl in school, dude. Yeah. Like, uh, I guess like Real, I guess Real Muto, like maybe the asking price is too high or people are taking the approach that I was talking about. Like, if Real Muto goes first, James McCann's likely going to ask for more money. So if you sign McCann before Real Muto gets paid, you'll likely be able to sign him for less money. Um, so if, if you like pull the trigger first, and I know we talked about that before, like I think the team that's going to, the teams that are going to do really well this off season are going to be the teams that are willing to pull triggers and sign guys. Um, and there, there isn't that holdout and there's not the fallout from other things. Um, like I think, the Blue Jays locking up Robbie Ray again was a good deal. I think the deals that the Braves have made for Morton and Smiley were, were rel- relatively team-friendly one-year deals. Um, so I think the more teams that do that, it'll pay out. Um, and really, the, I think, the surprisingly to me, the team making the biggest splash right now um, outside of Atlanta is Kansas City with signing Mike Miner, which isn't official yet. It's pending a physical. And then Michael A. Taylor as an outfielder. Um, so the fact that they're losing Gordon, but then they're adding like a ton of speed, you know, another center fielder, another center fielder that they would easily be able to slot into any outfield position. It's like they're, they're cheap, you know, team friendly, inexpensive options that I think make their team better. Um, they probably need to add two more pitchers at like that same caliber to really make their team look a lot better. Um, but I think that they're, they're doing the right thing. Like who's out there, who can we get now? Let's not worry about the big pieces that go like we know we're not going to be in in the Trevor Bauer sweepstakes. Um, we're not trading for uh, a Noah Syndergaard or, you know, waiting for Kershaw to you know be a free agent. Like we are going to get those guys. So we're not like cause I think it's like Verlander, Granke, Kershaw, like they're all free agents after 2021. And the Royals know they're not going to get those guys. You know, maybe the Royals are like, we'll, we'll sign Lance Lynn next year after he's a free agent. We'll go after those guys. Um, so, so I think that that's cool. Um, non uh, the non-tender deadline. Like I said it's Wednesday. Uh, Cardinals only have Brevia 
uh, the Yankees, Gary Sanchez is the big name on there. Um, but then uh, I think Jonathan Holder and Luis Sesa are both on that list as well. Um, I didn't look to see like what the contracts were. Sanchez is probably like $5 million something. Um, I think that they'll likely all be tendered on the Yankee side. Uh, maybe not Ben Heller. Uh, he's, he pitched the majors last year as a relief pitcher, but I think the bullpen's fine, uh, especially Britain resigning or them picking up the option for Britain. Uh, but Breb is the, Brebby is the only one for the Cardinals. So we'll see. Uh, we'll know more about the makeup of that. Like I said, uh, they have to offer him something by Wednesday. Uh, it doesn't need to be accepted by then. I think it's like mid-January that it needs to be accepted. Um, but they at least need to tender a contract in order for him not to hit free agency. So next week we may have a whole new slew of free agents that hit the market that we didn't expect there to be. So that should be fun. Um, where where am I at? Okay. Two, two more things I guess we'll cover real quick. Um, since we're both a big fan of Steve Cohen, um, we'll get in, we'll get into that last, uh, his social media presence. I think it's been phenomenal, but positive news from the MLB and maybe it's why, why they're changing up the minor league system so much is they announced that they're launching a league for draft prospects. I don't know if this is a one-time thing. I haven't been able to find that yet. Um, but obviously since college baseball was impacted and there's not a whole lot of minor league baseball or summer ball or winter ball, I mean, or anything like that, they're putting together a league. I think it's going to be like five teams that will allow these draft prospects to showcase their, their stuff. Um, and then I want to say, I think the draft is being pushed back. Normally it's in June and it's being pushed back to like the all-star break. So it'll happen alongside with all-star festivities. Um, so I don't, I don't remember the dates. Is it cool? Um, yeah, I, and they say it's to begin in 2021. Um, I don't remember the dates for it. I think it's supposed to be in the summer. Um, so it would be like for like guys that are play that play college ball, like they play after their college season's done with. Uh, so it might be like after the college world series, but before the all-star break, um, it's like that one month. So I said, I think it's only like five teams. So pretty small, but like Arizona fall league type stuff but for players that aren't currently drafted to an MLB team. Um, so it is a minor league, but it's being run by MLB. So maybe like that's part of why they're like, hey, we're going to cut down on costs for minor league baseball because we're going to start this draft league in general. Um, so that should be cool. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll hear more about that. I think it just kind of came out today. So I'll read more into it. Maybe we'll get more in depth with it next week if we have always time. Have, always have breaking news on the interleague. Yeah. Um, so Steve Cohen, I think that this guy might be both of our favorite owners. Like our, like both of our favorite owner in baseball. I really like this guy. Uncle, good old uncle yeah. Steve, as he's being called now by Mets fans. Um, I, <laughs> it's weird. I feel like I feel the same way about him that I would like, you know, current president trump um do like say what say whatever you want about like his his you know his policies or whatever or i guess maybe it's the the opposite like i i just feel like like when i talk about trump like i was like my big issue with him is like he just he just comes off like an idiot like he he just seems like he's a, a sleazy dude like just seems like a piece of shit so like then that that's like the issue I have with him all the time. Like whenever we talk about it with Cohen, like 
he seems like this lovable dude like you want to be able to like him (laughs) (laughs) but then when you find out about his past you're like holy shit like this this dude is the epitome yeah of a white collar criminal man like it's so funny because like all like so he's he's had a pretty big presence since buying the Mets. Like, he was never on social media or anything like that before. I think I was reading today, like, his Twitter account has, like, 85,000 followers, which isn't a ton. Like, there's obviously way more Mets fans than that. Uh, but it's getting there. It, it's definitely getting up there. Um, but, like, apparently he just uses it to, like, interact with fans and to tell dad jokes. So, like, he's gotten the moniker, like, Uncle Steve. Um, some of the dad jokes that he's told are so bad. But whatever. But the, the article I was reading today is, like, how he was, like, this reclusive guy, at, like, when he was running his business and whatnot, like, doing, doing his thing. And I forget what the business is called. Uh, it's, like, SAC something or other. Um, but they're, like, yeah, like, he, he never really wanted to have his photo taken. He didn't interview. He never really spoke to the press. Like, he just didn't really have much of a presence. He kind of kept to himself. Everything close to the chest. Even, like, the secrets of his company, he didn't really want anyone to know about. And they just pumped out money. Like, they just printed money as this head fund manager. And then you come to find out that they they were found guilty in, like, 2013 of insider trading and had to, like, were fined, like, $1.8 billion in forfeitures and were forced, like, close their doors. Well, it's like, well, no shit that this guy didn't want to be photographed and didn't want anyone to know his trade secrets because they were fucking illegal. <laughs> so it's like, all right, cool. Like, awesome. I'm glad you spent $2 billion on the Mets and you're worth like $14 billion. So like $2 billion really doesn't matter to you much. Like that'd be like me spending, you know, he's like, I lost a billion dollars in a lawsuit one yeah. time. Like that'd be like, <laughs> yeah, like that would be like me, you know, like spending like five grand. Like, yeah. It's a decent amount of money, but yeah, you know, I, I I could afford it, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> hold on, like so I'm trying to see like what the purchase for the New York Mets is. Two point four billion. So yeah, so like I I don't know how much of the one point eight million in forfeitures was like taken out of Cohen's pocket or like out of his bank account. Like I don't know if he's like wrote a check or whatever, but. Mm-hmm. Wasn't allowed to not be rich anymore, though, that's for sure. <laughs> right, like, it definitely didn't, like, <laughs> they, he's referred to as, like, a hedge, a hedge fund, uh, what is it, mogul? Is that how you pronounce it? M-O-G-U-L? Mogul. I think mogul. Yeah. It's like, no, no, mm-hmm. he's not. Like, he's not brilliant. He's a cheater he's a and a scam artist. It's like saying <laughs> that, like, oh, man, like, this dude right here, brilliant with his money. Like, what does he do? He cooks meth. <laughs> like, cool like that's don't praise this dude like that dude's a piece of shit you know and i so i hate it but i think his mentality for baseball is so good he like it's like i want to condone his lifestyle because he's just like i didn't i didn't buy the mets to make me money that's what my head funds are for and that's so baller like that's that that's a flex like that's that's a flex because i'm illegally making all yeah. kinds of money. Like, I feel like what's going to happen is, like, and I don't know what it is about the New York Mets. Like, maybe it's just the fact that they're in New York. So, like, the Yankees, they've been owned by the, the a family. You know, like, you think, like, the Italian mafia. Like, the fan, like 
they're the main family. The Steinbrenners are the main family of the New York Yankees. Like George Steinbrenner was like the Don Corleone of the New York Yankee franchise. And then you have like the other, like the other families, like the Irish mobs, you know, whatever. And like, there's always this guy that comes in, that's going to run it and he's going to change the game and then gets caught up in something. And then another family and there's like turf wars over the Mets. Cause like, so now like in, in recent time, like the, the guy they bought it off of, um, I forget who sold them. Um, but I think it was like basically like the same, the, the people that owned the Mets that like sold it, uh, was it, um, Jeff Wilpon, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that. but I'm pretty sure like that's who took the team over when everything happened with Bernie Madoff who was a, a part owner of the Mets when he got busted for all his shit. Yeah, and wasn't he a hedge fund manager? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. he was running, like, a Ponzi scheme. It's like, the world's most renowned Ponzi scheme, and he owned the Mets. Like, And that's, yeah. like, like oh, it was so brilliant, and everyone loved the fact that he came up with, like, this deferred payment nonsense with Bobby Bonilla, and now there's, like, Bobby Bonilla Day, which Steve Cohen's also addressed and, like, wants to be held at the ballpark and give Bonilla, like, a big giant check every year and have it be the spectacle which i think is awesome but i was like man like what are with the mets with just like attracting these terrible sleazy business owners that just have a shit ton of money you know and it like made off like it's perfect like it it's such like the bobby bonilla contract is the epitome of what bernie Madoff was as a person like well let's just defer your payment and by the time you're really owed all this money i won't own the team anymore so you getting paid will be somebody else's problem so I don't have to pay you now. Someone else will pay you later. It's fine. Like, that's a Ponzi scheme. Like, in a, in a nutshell, that's a Ponzi scheme. Like, rob Peter to pay Paul. That's what Bernie Madoff did. Lost a whole bunch of people, money. Whenever the cards fall, you know, that's what he did. And now they're like, the MLB's like, well, yeah, we know he dealt with insider trading, but he's a billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine. But he's the, he's the richest owner in baseball, man. Yeah, it's so two matter. Two point four billion. Like we got us some of that football money in MLB now. We good. Yeah, so like this guy will be able to flex some stuff, and our owner-player relationship will get better because he'll just pay players what they want because he doesn't care. And like that's what George Steinbrenner did, you know, for the longest time. Like he didn't give a shit. He was just like, I don't like the Yankees are a hobby. Like I don't own. I don't own the Yankees to make me money. Like that's what the yes networks for. Like, I don't care that I lose money on like what I make off the Yankees and what I pay the players. Um, I want to say, like, I know he bought them. He bought the Yankees off of CBS. Um, he never really made that much money because baseball teams aren't that profitable. So, uh, I mean, he, he made these amount of money, but yeah, he, so George Steinbrenner in 1973, Steinbrenner, bought the Yankees from CBS for $8.7 million. And now the 42 years later are, well, I guess now it's 47 years later. Cause this article is five years ago, but at the time of this article, it was just the first one that popped up when I was searching for this. So whatever. So 40. So at the time of this article, 2015, the franchise was now worth $3.2 billion and he bought it for 8.7. And you're just like, oh, bait, owning a baseball team's not net profitable. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like that. Yeah, they wouldn't own it if they're not making profit. They're every time they say I don't make money off of this, they lie to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's just crazy. Like, what a what a purchase. 
Like, yeah, because it might not be net profitable, but the money organization that's happening and, you know, funneling money into it and high dollar amounts and being able to sign out checks for, you know, not a big deal. Don't worry about that. Right. All right. So, so long story short, I feel bad that I really like Cohen. I, I he, he's probably a shitty person. I hope that in what he did in his insider trading, he just was cheating and making people a whole bunch of money, but it wasn't at the expense of other people. Um, whereas like a Ponzi scheme, that's how it is. Like when the, when the, when the cards fall out from underneath in a Ponzi scheme, it's usually the people at the lowest level that have already bought in that are left holding the bag and they really miss out. Um, I'm hoping that in the, the head fund, like insider trading, it was just like him dishonestly making a whole bunch of people money and the powers that be had a problem with it. Um, so he was like using it to his advantage to make himself. So he was more, more like Robin Hood. Maybe. You want to be like Robin that's, Hood. That's what I hope. I don't know enough about how insider trading really works. Make my clients more money. Yeah. I, I just know that like with, with like, you know, my dad being in, in the stock market aspect, like I always viewed insider trading as like, if he was aware that something was going to happen with a company or like, with you know with us working for who we work for if we knew something was coming down the pipeline so we told people that hey like you should buy our stocks because they're getting ready to skyrocket or hey like you should sell our stocks because they're getting ready to plummet like that and it's sharing information that's not available to the general public like that's what i thought insider trading was so i i I don't know like it, it just like them being a step ahead of the game like if they didn't share that information other people that lost out money in those deals, like that sold early or sold late, so like they didn't make as much or they lost a whole bunch, that still would have happened the same way. Like they just, you know, weren't given the same heads up. So like people that made money just were playing by a different set of rules. That's how I understand it. So it's not the worst thing in the world in my mind, but it's still bad. And obviously he's a shitty business person for that regard. But, um, so other than that, lately what they said was that's making a bunch of headway is um andy martino came out and said that there's the he believes that there's the potential possibility that people are not like that the mets are losing out on front office candidates because of how vocal steve cohen has been about the goals to to win a world series in three to five years right um, like we talked about that when he said it. And so they're saying like, oh, people don't want that pressure, whatever. So I know we had talked about, uh, what's his name, Theo Epstein. And like, that was kind of his model, his MO. And like, hey, what you do would work perfect for what Cohen wants to do. You, you leave the Cubs a year early. Mets were looking for a new front office guy. Seems like a pretty good fit. So I told you like what I was doing right before we went up was I was putting together some information for this. So I grabbed the last 10 world series winners. So from 2020 for the Dodgers to through 2011, when the Cardinals won it and then looked at where they were, like where they finished five years prior to that. So the first, so the last three, uh, the Dodgers, the nationals and the Red Sox five years ago. So Dodgers starting in 2015, Nationals 2014, Red Sox 2013, so on and so forth. They won their division, and actually the 2013 Red Sox also won the World Series. Um, The Dodgers lost in the NLDS to the Mets, and the Nationals lost in the NLDS to the Giants 
five years ago from when they won the World Series. Prior to that, Houston in 2017, the Cubs 2016, the Royals 2015, um, and the Giants 2014, they all, five years prior, missed the playoffs altogether and finished, like, third or worse in their division. Um, the Houston Astros, for example, in 2012, they finished sixth in the NL Central, and they went 55-107. and 107. And then five years later, they won a World Series. The year after that, 2018, um, they lost in the ALCS to the Red Sox. 2019, they lost to the Nationals in the World Series. And then 2020, they got knocked out in the playoffs by Tampa Bay and the ALCS. So, pretty big turnaround in a five-year period of time. So, what executives are getting all scared and pissed off or would be scared of, you know, a five-year plan? Like, Boston Red Sox 2013, they lost in the ALCS in 2008. The Giants in 2012 finished fifth in the NL West in 2007, went 71-91. and 91. Um, And then the Cardinals, they obviously they won – the world series in 2006 and in 2006 they had the worst record of any playoff team and the only reason why they made it is because they were in the nl central which was a really bad division in 2006 but they went on to win a world series and when you're the best team in baseball you're the best team in baseball yeah? yeah so it's just like time and time again it shows plenty of teams like um cubs finished fifth in the nl central in 2011 they went 71 and 91 five years later won a world series uh royals Last in the AL Central in 2010, went 67 and 95. Five years later, they won a World Series in 2015. So it's like plenty, plenty of examples of teams going worse to first. Um, look at the Marlins this year. They lost like over 100 games last year, and they made the playoffs and won a playoff series against the Cubs this year, um, taking two straight on the road. So went in this crazy year. Granted, it was a different season but they looked exponentially better this year than they did last year. And it was one off season. So if you have money in the back, like Cohen has, what front office executive would be scared of that? Like, get, give me a job, man. Um, have you seen Stephen Cohen's reply to that tweet? Yeah. That he was just like, if you, if, if you're not going to set the goals high, like why do we have them? Yeah. Yeah. Why would we, why would we set high goals? Oh. Yeah. I, Mr. Cohen, I know you listen to our podcast all the time. Me and Chris Mann, we will accept any position in your front office that you want to give us, as long True. as it comes, as long as it comes with a title of assistant, vice president, or higher. We'll, uh, we'll be your Twitch ambassadors, you know. As yeah. we clearly laid out through two to three segments uh, of this, that you know, you could probably bring baseball to Twitch. So we'll, you know, we'll yeah, like we'll it. You. I and it's just to show like that like yeah maybe three years is overzealous but you know whatever and like I think the example that someone tried to use or it might even have been that Andy Martino made was that the Dodgers Yankees and Rays who are like three of the top franchises in baseball have combined for one ring over the last ten years um and yeah like I I get it sure but in in the time frame of what we're looking at over the last 10 years, the only team that's won more than one ring is, uh, or, sorry, the only teams is because it's not one team, it's two, uh, Boston and San Francisco. Like that, that's it. Like other, other than 
the San Francisco Giants, who have three rings in the last 11 years, there really isn't a team that you can say is like the epitome of success. And since 2014, the Giants really haven't done anything. So is that is that really all that great? Because I would make the same argument for the Red Sox that, yeah, they won in 2013, 2018, but they like finished dead last in the AL East this year. Um, they weren't really that good last year. Um, like they d- just disappear at times. So it's like, if you're like, is it just like, oh, you won, so that's all okay? Because like I would say that the Royals aren't that great of a team. They haven't had a great decade, but they won a ring in that time frame. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, the Kansas City Royals have more rings in the last ten years than the New York Yankees. You know, the the Chicago Cubs have more rings in the last ten years than the New York Yankees. Like there, there's a lot of oddities that come with that. Like the San Francisco Giants are tied for like they have more rings than anybody over the last eleven years. Like and they're a crap team. Like they aren't good right now. It's like there's there's ebb and flow. I agree with Cohen. Like no like if you're if that makes you nervous, cool, you're not getting the job anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like it's fine. Don't apply if you're if you're worried about it. Because I don't want you. It's good stuff. I'm I like those things about him. He's just apparently not such a great human being. So, It'll all work itself out. Yeah. Hopefully. But I said, like, it, it, like the, the only thing I could think of was, like, the Trump aspect. That people can be like, I, like I'm like i not a big politics guy, but you know, like people will be like, I love this policy. That's what I'm all about. Rah, rah, rah. Cool. Well, yeah, but you can't deny that the guy's probably a piece of shit. <laughs> like... <laughs> like I'm sorry. Like he, he can have the greatest policies in the world. It doesn't make him a good person. You know, like you can, you could be the best brain surgeon in the world, but that best brain surgeon in the world can also just be a real dick. You know, like good, cool. Like I'm glad you're really good at your job. Be your fucking asshole. Like uh, Scott Boris. He's he's probably a huge douchebag. He's an amazing sports agent. Like he makes bank for his people. He's probably a gigantic douchebag. Most likely. Scott Boris, if you're listening, tweet us at the interleague. Yeah. Let us Talk. know if you're a giant douchebag. We're looking for someone to have to have our first Twitter beef with. We can make it happen. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's not true. It would be our second Twitter beef. We kinda had some Twitter beef with Derek Gould. True. Fuck Derek Gould. <laughs> so, so he he was he was pretty short short with us. Not we didn't appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, Derek Gold seems like the classic internet, like, oh I didn't get all the information I needed out of that four sentence so you must yeah. be saying something wrong so yeah sorry i was limited to 140 characters when i asked the question <laughs> yeah. Yeah. asshole sorry sorry yeah. tool so all right but anyway uh, that's everything <laughs> i got <laughs> that got real real ire you know we got right there for a second hey we'll have to have a weekly hate on Derek Gould. <laughs> yeah we can make that happen like what what dumbass shit has Derek gould said this week yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you, uh, if you, you know, after you're done with this, just check out our troll podcast. It's on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Pacific time. It's a late night, but uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, but cool. Um, so we'll have some things that we'll steal from this agenda for next week. Um, I don't know. We we may record next week. We may not. I usually find out Monday mornings if we're gonna record or not. Uh, 
So we'll we'll chime in. Maybe we'll have some news about the winter meetings. Um, you got anything else you want to add, C-Man? I'm I'm good. All right. Well, hope the audio sounded better. I apologize to those that uh, listened the last couple of weeks, and it was hard to hear Chris and all his lovely points. Uh, but True. yeah, thanks for tuning in, and uh, until next week, stay cool. Peace.